Greetings, friends! Welcome back to another ghoulish episode of the Film Alchemist Podcast, the show where we take the movies we love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Groovy, here for a brief introduction before today's exceptional episode of the Film Alchemist Podcast. Uh, guys, it's official, we're on Patreon! If you want a horror movie every day this month, we've done the work. Uh, now you gots to help us out. Go to patreon.com slash filmalchemistpod. It's the only way to get uh, the movies that are over there on our Patreon, right? We got two Patreon exclusives and a feature-length commentary on 13 Ghosts, which was awesome. Uh, so, guys, just a couple dollars. It does help us out. It's the best way to help the show, man. We appreciate it greatly. Uh, you can have your voice heard. It's the best way to make the show what you want on top of helping us out. So thank you for those of you who already do. Thank you for those of you who are about to as well. The YouTube is Film Alchemist. Go subscribe over there if you want to see these faces. Uh, the email, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. Uh, another thing, guys, please share all this on your socials, right? Especially for October, the horror movie mega marathon. The more people we get to do this, the more it makes all this work seem like nothing. Seem like a, a small pittance to pay. Um, and also, make sure you leave rating reviews wherever and everywhere you find the show. That does help us defeat the algorithmic magicians who be trying to steal our shit and mess us up. <laughs> All right! Guys, I know you're not here for business, especially in October when you hear the business every day. We are joined today by our new friend, Devon Taylor. Um, what a fun and awesome guy. I know he co-hosts a podcast called The Spectre Club. So you can find that in the show details. Make sure you go find Devon and his work online. Um... We got connected with Devon, and we're told this was a guy that we might enjoy having on our October Mega Marathon by our friend Rachel Reeves. Um, she fucking nailed it, man. Devon was awesome. It was such a fun conversation. I felt like I was uh, riding on clouds, as it were, man, just floating through this talk. The movie's very serious and, and grim at times, right? He chose The Prestige and begins to make the case that this is actually the perfect spooky season movie, right? Not just a tale of magicians, but... An excellent kind of gothic revenge tale that is at least horror enough adjacent that you should enjoy it for October. Um, but Devon is just very insightful. I love the way he he really gets into these movies. And not even the movies, but he really feels like he sinks into the characters, as you'll hear when we talk. Um, Devon was a wonderful guy. I can't wait to go subscribe to his podcast, The Spectre Club. You guys should go follow him and share all the love with him. Uh, we cannot begin to thank Devon enough for how kind he was to make time and join us on this quest into the infinite horror beast. So, without further ado, The Prestige, with our new friend, Devon Taylor. Everybody, welcome to the show, our friend and guest, Devon Taylor. Uh, thank you so much for making the time. Would you be so kind as to introduce yourself to the people and tell them where they can find your stuff on the internet? Hello, hello. Yes, uh, my name is Devon, and I am a uh, aspiring filmmaker, photographer, and uh, I host a podcast, The Spectre Cinema Club. Uh, it's a horror podcast where we dive into uh, the various subgenres and franchises and, uh, you know, kind of similar to what you guys do. We, you know, look into that subgenre and be like, okay, like, what are the recurring motifs and, like, things that, like, make that specific subgenre work? So, like, that's uh, what we get into. Uh, it's uh, hosted by me and my uh, buddy Garrett McDowell. Nice. Amazing, man. And would you like to share with everyone uh, today the movie you brought? I think probably the most interesting pick we had of the month. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I pivoted my choice last minute because, uh, you know, there's Starry Eyes. Love that movie, but I've also talked about it at nauseum. So you can find yeah. my thoughts about that at various <laughs> places. Um, so I want to switch it up and uh, go with a, uh, a movie that is maybe not horror, but it could be. It kind of is. At Definitely least has it's, elements. Uh, at least it's Christopher Nolan's closest thing to a horror movie, and that'd yeah. be The Prestige. Yeah. A fucking wonderful movie, man. So I was uh, messaging with you before we started. I don't think – I think I saw this once in the theater mm -hmm. and just never went back to it for some reason. Oh, um, man. I, I, I was wish I like to see it in theaters. Yeah. Well, that's the benefit of being old. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I was just like, you know, all right, it was fine. Like, you know, magicians, grumpy magicians. Fine. I get it. <laughs> And I just kind of, I don't know what was going on in my day, but it never really like sat on me. 
I watched it yesterday. I was like, holy fuck, this is a stunningly amazing movie. Man. And I think a lot of the benefit is once you know the prestige, right? Once you mm -hmm. know what's happening, there is so much clever work laid in there, right? As they lay out the three yes. parts of a magic trick, you're like, it's all right there. It's all fucking right there. Yes. The, and the they movie itself is a magic trick. Like yeah. the movie itself, the way it's structured and and like, yeah, it is kind of one of those rare movies that like once the reveal, because it's not a twist, uh, but there's a, a reveal though, because like you said, it is all there. They talk about it multiple times throughout the movie, mm -hmm. the two reveals of this movie. And uh, yeah, so like when you go back to watch it is, yeah, when you see all those clues, you see... Um, you know, uh, this is, um, you know, the Nolan brothers uh, working together on the screenplay for this one. And I think it's his, their most straightforward, like, because, like yeah. I said, it is all there. There is a definitive <laughs> answers to things. And uh, and like, but that's the fun of it is uh, is unfurling. it. I remember the first time I watched it, it's one of the rare times I watched it. And then I immediately watched it again that yeah. same night. I, I like took a break and I was like smoking. <laughs> I was smoking. I was thinking about it and I go, I need to watch this again. I fucking like went back to back on it. And then I watched it a third time a few days later on an airplane. Cause I was like, what do I want to watch right now? I was like, I'm still thinking about the prestige. So like, yeah. I, like, so like it literally just like, as soon as it entered my brain, I just like, couldn't stop thinking about it. It has um, many things I love. Uh, I love magicians. Uh, they are kind of inherently spooky when you think about it. Just, uh, they just are total creeps, man. If we're being honest, like most magicians, it's like you wouldn't invite them over for dinner. Let's no, be honest. They're, they're mysterious. They're creepy. And most of them are con artists. Uh, yeah. You know, they are they are con artists that at least when they're taking your money, you are still getting something out of it. Yeah. Uh, so they're kind of they're interesting in that way because I love con artists as well. Um, and then as far as like. Other things that it like really hooks me is I love uh, these uh, complicated rivalries oh, and uh, and yeah. and fatal ambition. Like, how far are you willing to go to like you know do the things that you want to do? Like, as as an artist myself, I very much relate to that. Is like you know like how how far would I go to get my movie made? You know, yeah. like in and though those ideas are are fascinating to me and the way that. Um, the prestige does it from the two different viewpoints, um, you know, of, uh, you know, very complicated uh, viewpoints. But I mean, at the end of the day, they're both psychopaths. Uh, let's be yeah. real. Yeah. Uh, but they're I will say old timey the rock, right? Like that rise and grind time. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. Yeah. I'll say, I'll say one of them is more of a bitch than the other one. Yeah, uh, definitely. So. And um, but yeah, so I mean, and for everybody, if you guys haven't seen this movie, please go watch it because we got to spoil the fuck out of it. So like, yeah, yeah. Implore it's kind of, people yeah. to watch it. It's kind of a Wizard of Oz thing, right? We have to pull the curtain back <laughs> to talk about it at all. Uh -huh. um, curtain magicians. There uh, we go. There let's, go. Get, uh -huh. let's get him rolling. <laughs> Soon we'll bring in our attractive assistant. I usually have my killer clown from outer space behind me. That could have been our assistant. <laughs> but such is life. Um, yeah, man. So. Right off the bat, they kind of lay out this this thesis of what a magic trick is, right? Mm -hmm. There are three there are three phases to the magic trick: uh, the pledge, the turn, and then the prestige. Right? What I love about watching this again, the very first fucking frame of this movie, is just a a wooded area full of top hats, and things like that always sucker me in. So you're like, what a wonderful mm -hmm. image that makes absolutely no sense to me. Yes. Right. And again, they showed you right off the fucking top what they're doing. And I mean, so it's, it's Michael Caine kind of running through it. And I thought that was a brilliant way to open the film. Yeah, it's a, it's the coldest of opens. I, I do love me a good <laughs> cold open. Right. Uh, and uh, and yeah, and the way that, you know, um, the way that Nolan, obviously, a lot of his movies, they play out in these like, you know, nonlinear fashions. And, uh, you know, he is fascinated with time and he's kind of obsessed with it. Uh, but this is before he like really starts hitting that obsession. Yeah. Uh, you know, this is a movie he's doing in between the Batman movies. Yeah. So he was just kind of like, oh, like, let me do this weird kind of thing. And so the, the nonlinear uh, plot line is it's here, but it is still pretty straightforward. Like, it's just like they kind of go back and forth with uh, the diaries as like a framing <laughs> device as well. Even the journals are a magic trick. <laughs> Even the fucking journals. These two pretentious fucks. It was just the most catty thing. Like, 
welcome to the end of my journal, you dumb bitch. Like, the, I got you. <laughs> and the most effort to write a journal entries in a code that has yeah. to be decoded. Fuck off, you two. God damn it. There but. is something about just pure, unadulterated, just pettiness. Oh, that is so I mean, it, absolutely enjoyable. I mean, it, it. this is pettiness, like, to the highest degree. Uh, yeah. I, I think this is a queer movie, personally. Um, you know, these men, you know, they both have wives that they're in love with, but at the end of the day, they are obsessed with each other and mm-hmm. beating e- like I was about to say, beating. <laughs> <laughs> they are trying to out, you know, outwit each other. But at the same time, it's like out of this, you know, jealous, like they want to beat each other. Like they are yeah. literally going back and forth, trying to copy the, uh, the same trick. Because they, you know, like it's not enough just to succeed on their own. They have to do yeah. it in this way against him as well. Yeah, and so I mean, like that's the, kind of the trick, right? Is there can only be one man on the stage taking the bow in the spotlight. Oh and my so god, I didn't help, even think about it. And then these two, damn, yeah, that's a one I even didn't think Even if you about. have to craft, like, oh, I helped make the world's greatest man. Like Michael Caine seems to just enjoy helping in the process. Yeah. These guys are like, it's not enough that we have created a great piece of art to give to someone else. It has to be me at the end. Yeah, uh, yeah it's, I, I, I can't get I mean, enough of that, right? These two just, because there's a segment of the movie where they just go back and forth, taking turns, putting on disguises to fuck each other's tricks. <laughs> a great montage, yeah. Great use it's of so a montage. Wonderful. Like, and yeah, the, you know, and so it's like at the, the, the there are two journeys, you know, you have uh, Jackman's Angier. And he is, he's the one that, you know, that he is obsessed with uh, the reaction, the, the admiration and, mm. um, you know, the, the crowd and the love of it all. Like, and he's known for being the showman of the two. He, he, he's not the best magician, but he's mm. the better showman. He has more charisma. And, you know, so he, he does it for, well, he claims, you know, the, the, the adoration, but really he does it for himself, you know, for, right. for the most part. Well, they both do. And then you have, you know, Alfred Borden, Bale, and he is, he's that guy that's like, it's all about, uh, you know, the, for the technique, the mastery of the art. Like, he's that underground rapper that releases a bunch <laughs> of albums that are, like, so hard to find because it's all about just, he, he's yeah. doing it for himself as well. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the, the audience, you know, uh, outsmarting the audience uh, feeds into his ego as well. Well, the two of them, you know, because Borden is uh, a pair of twins, you know, an mm-hmm. identity shared by the two of them. Um, I'll refer to them as Alfred, which is the more sympathetic one that lives at the end. And then right. Freddy, Freddy is the, the hothead, uh, yeah. more competitive one. So it's that like rat bastard. Just yeah, abusing so they, Rebecca Hall and making me depressed. Oh my <laughs> god! I mean, poor, poor Rebecca Hall. But like, yeah, yeah. And, and and they have their own, you know, thing between them as well, you know, because again, Freddie is the more competitive one. Like he, he he's like, yeah, I want to be the best, have the best trick, but I want to be, you know, Angier versus mm-hmm. Alfred. He's just like, I just want to have the best trick. Like that's all Alfred cares right. about. So out of the three of them, he is the most sympathetic in my eyes. Or at least the one that I lean into because yeah. he because I think Freddie is the one that, you know, tied the different knot that killed Sarah. And that's why that's right. why Alfred is always like, I don't know, because yeah. he didn't do it. So it's like, yeah, but uh, also or, he knew he just didn't want to admit. D- do you know if Freddie told him or not? You know, no, it, I just I think do you think he, I think there's think like that twin know? telepathy where he's like, mm. I fucking know what you did, dude. Okay, so you I do know, think... Yeah, okay. he's Freddy. He's the one who, as soon as Michael Caine's like, you can't do something, in the back of yeah. his head, he has to know, like, Freddy's going to do that shit. Yeah, okay. Freddy's going to do yeah, that I'm, shit. I'm, I'm, I'm with you there. And and so it's like, yeah, the, 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 the triotomy between the three of these guys is just uh, very fascinating. But Angier, man, he is the biggest bitch of all time. He has that, like, inherent built-in, like, rich kid behavior. Yeah, he's the and aristocratic so, one. Yeah. yeah, I think his journey is really fascinating in the fact that when he loses his wife, right, or something goes bad, he could just fuck off back to his, like, estate, right, and be Lord Caldwell mm-hmm. again. He can just fucking go do whatever. He can just buy the stage up and be like, I'm going to fucking have this stage and do my magic whenever the fuck I want. I think it's interesting the fact that he remains down in here. It's you know it's like mm-hmm. that. I don't want to be known for what my dad did, kind of thing, yeah. right? I want to yeah. I want to stand on my own. So there is something really extra psychotic about his behavior in the movie, 
uh, Alfred and Freddie being orphans, right? Discast, mm-hmm. discarded, not wanted, desperately wanting magic in a world that's been abusive to them and proved that they're better than everyone else. Perfectly easy, logical train to follow. Mm-hmm. Angiers is so much more clouded and kind of disturbing to me as the movie unfolds yeah i mean it's because it, it's tough i mean because obviously like it, like unless you have lost your significant other like nobody knows what type of pain that kind of person is dealing with yeah. you know so i mean that that event you know totally warps him it, it just changes him and he from that moment on you know he's uh, especially since he's never really gonna get a true answer you know like that's you know the part that drives him mad is you know it it just it sends his morals out the window like he is willing to like i mean he's wanting to kill alfred out the gate and then it be and then it becomes (laughs) more of okay now let me i'm gonna steal your trick because you're the better magician i'm gonna do it better and all these things you know and then um and then he didn't care about olivia and that's why she eventually sided with you know uh freddie yeah because like she saw like okay like you really don't care about anybody anymore like you you're a monster and then like you know so like and then he literally stoops to kidnapping trying to kidnap his daughter like bro like i understand that like you are sad (laughs) but then like but but it's not like alfred you know doesn't lose things as well he loses his wife he is he has half of a life you know so it's like it's not like you know uh borden doesn't pay for the things that he's done yeah you know, so it's like that's you know why it's like okay, like like not to say like hey, you guys are even at some point, but <laughs> but also like yeah, hey, like you know at one point, Bor- or Alfred is just like I just want to do a trick, I just want to do it. Yeah. Let's leave them alone. Like I'm done with leave this competitive shit, and, yeah. and and but Angier just can't stop. You know. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I think we can all sympathize with An- Angier's like catch this bullet, bitch, and fucking shooting him right. Like that's mm-hmm. a pretty rational response to you killed my wife with a knot right yeah i follow that once you start getting to like i'm gonna fucking bury your assistant alive oh my god i'm gonna fucking make your daughter a ward of the state like i'm taking legal steps to execute you and then let you know as you hang in your final moments and i'm gonna raise your daughter hopefully well who knows that is so absolutely fucking demented he's evil like yeah, yeah all of that all of that is just yeah he is absolutely a monster yeah. By the end of this movie. And and I love uh, using, you know, the casting of Jackman to do that as well. You know, he is such a likable guy. But like when you see him in like this and prisoners and you really let Jackman's dark Holy side shit, come out, man. He, yeah. he's fun. Like I didn't, you know, because Christian Bale is one of my all time favorite actors. Yeah. Um, like I'm, I think he probably is like as far as just like, you know, my generation's kind of. And, uh, you know, I remember going into this wondering if Jackman was going to be able to, like, stand toe-to-toe with him, you know? And, I mean, but, man, the, the the performances by both of them are just so phenomenal. And I was, like, you know, very surprised that Jackman was, like, able to, like, really uh, pull through with um, Bale. Like, the their, their performance, they're just pitch perfect. Oh, yeah. Well, I think for a lot of us, right, like, you're the Wolverine guy. And then you saw him in Prisoners. You're like, holy shit, that's, like, taking the step. That movie is such a brutally intense character study, right? And yeah, Jackman really fucking carries this thing. So I think Bale, so many of us, right? We we so accept that the darkness is natural to him. He is kind of the acting Bane, right? Like, I was born in the dark. You accepted it. Mm-hmm. And you're like, all right, I get it, Christian Bale. This is what you do. Jackman's, though, I, I think his, his nice guy platitudes, right? The way he kind of behaves in mm-hmm. and out set such a wonderful paint, like palette, right? Within to draw these fucking strokes of madness. Uh, it's just, it's, it's so fucking fun to watch, man. I mean, it's, 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 and it's similar to their characters because like, yeah. I mean, even though, cause we're used to, you know, like you said, seeing the transformations from Bale, seeing all these things mm. we're thrown off by one. This is one of the few movies he gets to use his real accent. Uh, yeah. you know, people always <laughs> forget that like he is like, that's his accent. And, um, yeah. Uh, but the fact that, yeah, he still looks and sounds like himself, but then he is yeah. doing like, the tricky performance of you know playing these two characters and like mm-hmm. um my the thing i tried doing on this most recent rewatch and what like really just like uh, th- this movie became like a top 20 all-timer for me like this Damn, is, yeah. this had been up there for me but like on this rewatch so i i tried to track you know in which scenes bale was alfred and which scenes mm-hmm. he was freddie 
and like seeing and tracking that and then knowing the implications that those yeah. have to the story. And I was just like, these like between the way that it's written and presented, but then Bale's performance, the way he does it with just slight little nuances. I'm just like, this is fucking genius level shit right here. Yeah. Like, it's not just that I'm the yelling guy and then I'm the soft spoken guy. Right. It's much because I was kind of watching that too. The the one, the most heartbreaking elements, right? Like probably the scene that most encapsulates this performance to me is when he's in the room screaming at Rebecca Hall, right? His brother pleaded with him, like, please, God, can you just stop fucking Do being something. an asshole? Yeah. Please, God, let her know that I love her. He couldn't fucking manage it for but a day, right? And so as mm-hmm. he's watching or listening to his brother fucking decimate his marriage, torture the woman he loves, we cut to this kind of like library room and Alfred dressed as Fallon walks up and just scoops up the little girl into this like hug mm-hmm. of like, God mm-hmm. damn, what have I done? Right. Cause I think his line used at the end is just such a poetic line, right? The, we each had half a life and that was enough for us. But it wasn't for enough them. for them, right. For their partners. Mm-hmm. Cause they could fucking tell when it switched and it's, you know, mm-hmm. the idea of dating or being married to someone who has those kind of issues. Right. In the difficulties and challenges of you don't know who you're waking up with every day. This is kind of a more literal version of that. But man, yeah. it really just sat with me today because I remembered when I watched it the first time thinking that Christian Bale is just this. Oh, he's just like a cock, right? He's just like this mean magician running around fucking shit up. I'm, I'm with you. I found him so much more sympathetic on this viewing. Alfred, yeah. at least. Yes, Alfred for sure. Like, <laughs> not that I mean, Frederick, yeah, <laughs> yeah, Fr- Fr- Freddie. Uh, and yeah, I, I do love that. Like, again, like all the things are peppered in throughout the movie. Like, you know, between Sarah being able to tell the difference, Olivia knowing that something is up, uh, you know, and like the fact that Fallon doesn't speak the entire you know movie, and it's all Bale's eye performance when he's Fallon, which is crazy. And it's just like, you know, all these things are, are there. And I've seen like, you know, critiques of, you know, being like, oh, it's, you know, like uh, the, the twist is too outlandish, which I disagree with. But then also I've seen people say that, like, it, that it's predictable. And it's like, but that's that's <laughs> but that's the thing with magic. You go yeah. to a magic show, you know, it's fake, but you are mm. going and because you want to be fooled. And like that is right. and they spell that out in the thesis at the end of the movie, you know, Angier's. Uh, dying monologue you know he very much spells out like you know uh the way that nolan feels about film about making movies um and then the way that they feel about magic you know like you go in and yes you know uh that like it it it, you're not trying to fool somebody it's not like oh i'm trying to you know stump you and see what you're doing the the real you know skill of a movie is okay i'm gonna give it to you i'm gonna show it to you but can I still, you know, fool you and take you on this ride and on this experience? And that's what the film does. Like, I mean, it's from the very beginning. Cutter is like, it's a double. The only way to do that trick is a double. The only right. way that Borden is able to do it is a double. I mean, he's and and you know, we're all Angier going like, no, that's too ridiculous. And it's like, too simple. It can't be that easy. It's too simple. You know, so it's yeah. like I. So I love that you know the movie spells it out for you in these monologues in the presentation but like that's not what is you know impressive about this movie what Mm -hmm. is is the way that it's pulled off yeah a lot of people really cherish kind of chicanery and filmmaking and script writing right but then Mm -hmm. you're like for a long time in my life what was the number one box office movie by like a mile it was titanic Mm -hmm. and every single person that went to see fucking titanic knew exactly where that movie was going right there's only one point on the horizon for that and it's right next to that fucking iceberg But because it was so wonderfully crafted, everyone was just enjoying their ride on the Titanic, right? Knowing what's happening. So I think a lot of the movies that, you know, M. Night Shyamalan used to get dinged for that, right? He can only do twist. And you're like, yeah, he does twist, but his movies are wonderfully crafted. Exactly. And and that's the thing with Nolan, too. People get hung up on... Um, you know, oh, it, it's uh, it has to be ambiguous with him because they're like, that's his whole thing. And it's like, but no, like, it's OK for him to be like, no, I'm going to spell it out. Like, this is the opposite of Memento. Like, Memento right. <laughs> was like, I'm going to make this as confused, the, the simplest story as confusing as possible. Right. Versus here, he's like, I'm going to take something super complicated, but I'm going to give it to you like as straightforward as I can. Yeah. You know, but I'm going to put the, the dings and whistles on it because it's a magic trick. 
Yeah, and he's even again, he's kind of tipping his hand, right? Cuz that's kind of the the acknowledgement that every character's talking about is like you don't really want to look. You want to be fooled. And so even watching it again, I was like, look at how obvious it is that that's Christian Bale. Right when he's fallen. The first time I watched it, I legitimately did not notice that that was Christian Bale cuz I was exactly. not looking, right? I was like, what's the fucking trick? When you watch it again, you're like duh like that's that's a total fake beard like that right like the the fake facial hair is like (laughs) yeah he's got that cadaver colored cheeks and shit you're like all right but we look past it though but we want to just believe it's this great magician i wanted to believe that borden is this fucking mastermind who does this amazing transportated man trick um they even fucking tell us when we see the the old asian guys trick right because i love that sentiment in the movies he's like that's the trick right him hobbling out to the carriage Mm-hmm. And he goes, that is total fucking commitment to the art. A life, a lifelong ruse, right? Yeah. Just so yeah. you can do that one fucking fishbowl trick. That is what it takes to make something truly great in this world. And see, and 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 Borden is willing to make that sacrifice himself mm-hmm. versus Angier is, no, I'm going to try to cut corners. I'm going to try and spend all my money to yeah. get machines made. I'm going to steal your stuff. Uh, even though, yes, he lost his wife, but he himself personally does not sacrifice anything um, until, you know, I guess the end of the movie where he has to kill himself repeatedly uh, yeah. in doing this trick. But again, it's like you got yourself to that place, you dummy, yeah. versus yeah. like, you know, <laughs> Borden made a conscious decision early yeah. on to be like, this is what I'm doing and I got to fucking, you know, stick to it. I got to fucking. Yeah. And like, so he makes that personal sacrifice himself but it also does come at the expense of his family so it is still very right. selfish on his part as well uh that's man, kind of yeah. the interesting question by the end of the film right is who actually thought their value their trick was worth it right because angier is obviously furious his wife got killed right mm-hmm. i think in the way you see him treat scarlett johansson's character you're like would that marriage not have soured when he needed to do a better trick? Like, he finds this other lady who loves him. And he's just like, go spy on that guy. Get the fuck out of here. Like, mm-hmm. pushes her away just to serve this thing. So you get this sense that Angier always would have been this difficult partner, right? Like, he always would have sacrificed someone near him to do this. By the end, the most near you could possibly be himself. I think by the end, it's funny because Borden, who seems like the guy who's like, I will be that guy, right? I will live this lifelong ruse mm-hmm. as twins and whatever. That guy he loses re- both of his lovers, right? His kid gets taken by the state. He loses his own brother. And I wonder if in that last scene, if when he goes in and gets his daughter back from Cutter, if that's a, I'm going to, I'm going to still stick to the magic. It means a lot to me. He's like, fucking hell, dude. Like, no, this was not I, worth it at all. I, I think at the very end, he is done. Um, I think they, the way that they explain it, like when they have that last conversation, you know, it's interesting of, you know, like Borden explains it, you know, and say like, you know, that is true sacrifice. And then Angier tries going, but I sacrifice too. And he <laughs> expl- and he does his whole explanation to which yeah. Borden literally goes, okay anyways no like you you lost everything you spent all your money you you did you cut everybody off you lost your entire humanity you know like he he's like no like and and you know because borden he i think he does say it because when he does say like you know we each lived half a life and it was enough for us so at that moment you know pre uh sarah dying and Mm -hmm. his kid being kidnapped he is like he's like yeah like it, it was worth it to me i like this is worth it but then once his wife dies and then you know Holy sees the, shit, the pain that is where he is like okay yeah no like i'm done like i'm I, like I, like i like i can't do this anymore so yeah i think he does like fully remorse at the end i think he's i think yeah. he's out i mean the beauty of that shot despite its tragedy right of her swinging in the shop like that the birds we saw at the start that would get smashed. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, it's just like this pure distillation of how fucking devastating this battle between them is. And yeah, that's kind of the fun sentiment by the end, right? As we each had half a life and that was enough for us. Well, now you have a hundred percent of a life. You have this wide open life. And is that better? Or is that this empty? Yeah. Like this fucking whispering chasm, right? Of sadness and misery. At least he does have his daughter still. So he I mean, still he does has ha- his daughter. <laughs> he does at least have that, and I mean, and he's gonna still have the notoriety of his trick. 
but but at the end of the day like yeah like was it worth all that it's a it's yeah. a it's a tough like it is well he a, can't even go back and be himself and start being a magician again because yeah, he got yeah. hanged so that he's like true. just out all the way so he's just fouling now yeah it's it's so beautiful uh i wanted to get your thoughts on uh the nicholas tesla element in this film i thought that was a a really interesting choice to add right because essentially we have this on a superficial level, right? This is a battle of two magicians kind of one-upping each other, right? This race to the top that's mm-hmm. destroying both, right? Kind of like a, a fucking magical Moby Dick, right? <laughs> yeah. In the middle when you add Nicholas Tesla, I thought that was a really... Because on one point, he brings in this scientific real-world element, right? They call him a wizard, right? He does what magicians only pretend to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that scene, too, when they're like in the field of lights. And it's like, imagine a time when just seeing light bulbs was like holy fuck you know what i mean like god damn that guy just made a bird come out of a cage look light <laughs> right in the middle of the night um mm-hmm. but tesla also becomes our engine for the kind of supernatural ending right the science fiction ending of the film so what did you make yeah. of tesla's inclusion in this story i mean so that is where you know uh, aside from you know we have elements of revenge in this as well and I think anytime you uh, have elements of revenge, that automatically kind of starts getting you into the genre territory. Mm-hmm. But then, so the, yeah, so the sci-fi element to it as well is what kind of firmly puts this like in the genre uh, territory for me. Um, and, and I think this is the one that, you know, divides people. Like people can get behind the doubles thing and they're like, okay, yeah, like I, I, we, you guys did it. We saw the evidence, like, cool. But then it's like, okay. Uh, yeah, Tesla making a cloning machine is uh, is is fascinating. Um, I like that it because it mirrors because they you know allude to it in the in the film. It's you know uh, Tesla and Edison were having their like electric arms yeah. race like back in the day. So I like that they include it and have it like you know paralleling the two of them, mm-hmm. and uh, I I enjoy it. Like I mean I like that the the film doesn't try to explain it. Uh, because I think that's what would get this into trouble is if they included it, but then like tried to explain it. And I love that Tesla he tried to like, interstellar it, right? Like put two yeah. exact signs on it. And you're exactly. Like, All right. But no, exactly. I, I like that too. The you Tesla's raise a good a... point, right? Yeah. The Tesla Edison rivalry. And you see this kind of hollowed out Tesla. Who's just like, you know, the world won't stand many changes. Right. And he, he talks about how have you considered the cost, right? Not the financial cost. But how far you're willing to go, right? That he has gone that far and it's it's not the life he wishes he would have had in the sense. So he's telling Angier to his face, please fucking God, stop this, yeah, you know, for and, your own sake. And he he just fucking refuses, man. Well, and it, and, and and with the machine as a, a parallel, too, because uh, Cutter has a line, you know, that talks about magicians that, you know, we in this we see, you know, the world behind magicians, all the things that they do, how they make some of these illusions, the contraptions and whatnot. And uh, at one point, Cutter says, we don't do tricks we can't control. So yeah. when so Angier getting this machine and using it is breaking that rule, he's saying, yeah. like, because he doesn't. Uh, the the machine is unpredictable. He doesn't know if it's gonna work perfectly. It already right. doesn't like do what he thought it was gonna do. Uh, which again, I love that this comes about because Borden tricks him by being like, "Oh yeah, I got this machine made in here," and like you know forces Angier into this. And uh, but you know Tesla is, you know spells it out in the way that you know how science is fascinating is like. You know, we we try to control in science, but at the end of the day, we don't have control. We don't have we don't know what's going to happen. So there he's a kind of he's an interesting counter to the way that magicians work, that everything is about control and knowing the outcome, you know, because right is their bread and butter is we do this. This is what happens. Boom, bam, boom versus now introducing that. Uh, so, I mean, Angier, I, he already uh, loses his credibility for trying to steal a magician's trick. So he's already losing credibility there uh, as far as like, I mean, I don't know how deep the magician circles run, but like I'd assume <laughs> I'd assume the other magicians are like, man, this motherfucker, like that's like yeah. a comedian stealing jokes, uh, but I'm going to do it better, you know, like, and so he loses credibility there. And then yeah. now he already loses more credibility by breaking, you know, like the, the principles of magic of like, no, like this is a controlled thing that you do. And now you're bringing this unpredictable science into it. But like, uh 
the the machine being able to clone somebody is just it's wild and we don't explore it at all yeah and i'm fine with that like i i like it i i like it too man because the, the only real exploration we get right is the first time he uses it another version of him pops up the and it first talks, and he talks yeah, too the first moment that they both lays eye, eyes on each other right they both are like i gotta get that fucking gun and shoot the other one and I was like, that's such a really interesting way to kind of expose who Angier is at his core, right? Is yeah. anyone will be fucking disposable. At the end, when he's sitting amongst the, you know, aquariums of the dead, right? The versions of himself. You're like, that's that's visually really fucking cool, man. But once you make the choice once, I don't think the 98th is harder than that first choice, right? right? So yeah. He, yeah, his he, kind of crocodile like... tears like... It doesn't exactly. take nothing to steal a man's trick. It takes everything. And I was like, exactly. come on, motherfucker. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> you, you do it the one time. Like, you, you are broken after that point. Like, yeah. you have killed yourself and officially, and you are, you're broken at, by that point. So, yeah, it doesn't matter after that. Like, you, you don't know the courage it took to get in there every night. And it's like, mm -hmm. no. Like, no. You, you have no courage. You have no spine. You are, you're a nothing. Like, yeah. I love even, even the way that, like, his uh final you know the the transport man is like presented you know like and he just like walks around closing his eyes and just like standing and like saying vague things when <laughs> you know remember his performance used to be full of life and energy yeah. and like and uh, and you and you were into it but then is tricked by the end he's just so pompous and just so like uh, yeah. it, it does not matter anymore like it yeah it, you know, because he, he, he could have the success, but it's like, okay, I'm going to have the success and I still want to, you know, fuck you over as hard as I can. Yeah. And it, 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 like he's, he's, fuck, a petty motherfucker. Just, and it's also because essentially the guy we see at the end must be the 100th copy, right? It's kind of like a body snatchers thing. They look like you, but they don't have the scars and the lived skin, right? Because whoever stands in the machine falls fucking under and gets a death by water. Which so, also, why? Like, goddamn. Yeah, why do that, uh, right? Why not but, just have an army of Angiers, like multiplicity Michael Keaton, right? <laughs> just, you know what I mean? I mean, in, you know, yeah. It's, it, and when you think about it, too, like, you know, also comparing them, like, their actions throughout, like, again, like, Angier does the most horrendous things. Again, I love that Borden, while he's, while Angier's dying, literally just says, like, like, lists out all the things he done. He's just like, dude, you've done, like, some horrible shit. We both have, but, like, you really did some fucked up shit. Yeah. And, you know, when you go back and you, like, think of, like, that montage, like, aside from breaking Angier's leg, you mm -hmm. know, uh, all of Borden's things to fuck with him were literally, like, fucking with him. It was like, oh, I'm going to hijack yeah. your show and show you up, like, which he deserved, you know? And then, like, oh, here, I'm going to give you my fake notebook and send you on this goose chase and, like, <laughs> because you're a dummy. So it's, like, really all the things that he's doing, he's trolling Angier yeah. versus Angier is, like, no, I want to ruin your life and, like, yeah. I'm and is so malicious about it. Yeah. Theirs is, is a, a craftsman rivalry, right? Like, I will out-magic you, and Angier's like, I will fucking shoot you. I will maim <laughs> yes, you, exactly. and I will kidnap your children. Yeah, he's I will I will hire worse. actors. I will do this. <laughs> I totally forgot about his double attempt, you know, with that whole thing. But then again, you know, Borden just, you know, is smart and manipulates and, yeah. you know, does that rather than, like, again, he's not having to fucking come after him and try to just permanently maim him. <laughs> yeah, I do... I do wonder if in the end, if, if Angier got a satisfactory amount of kind of karmic punishment, right? There, there was a small bit of me that wanted him to just be like, you have to fucking live with this, always knowing that you were second best, right? Because I'm imagining the moment that Angier does the first Tesla machine transported man. He knows for a fact that Borden beat him. This is an mm -hmm. absolute concession that he'll never be able to do a better trick than him. Mm -hmm. And so essentially he's just running Tesla's fucking trick, right? Another man that he's just fucking, you know, riding the coattails of. Exactly. So, I mean, I don't, I mean, I do, I mean, from the thing that he wanted, you know, I, you know, for getting, I think, I think he, I think until, uh, you know, Borden like told him the secret, I think he is like, 
satisfied to a degree. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, I think that's us as an audience. Like, yes, we would rather him live and have to live with that. But again, that's where Borden has completed his arc because he does not care anymore about being the best who's second best. Like, like he, or else he would have, yeah, like let him live and like done something else. But then yeah. he now is just as low. It's like, this is him finally being like, no, I am the bigger yeah. man. And I'm gonna, you know, just end it. It's done. Yeah. And that's and essentially that. the battle's over, right? It will go down in the minds of people for however long magicianship lives in the memory, right? That <laughs> Angier so defeated Borden that he killed him. Right. Mm-hmm. So the fight's already won. So that's, that's another little intimate detail I like about the end is both of these guys are fucking dead. Yeah. They're literally battling beyond the grave. They're right. Both- to still fucking have at each other. <laughs> It's, it's just so fucking awesome. I know. I mean, the amount of, di- again, I'm a, I'm a sucker for con men. So like the amount yeah. of disguises in this movie is fantastic. They're just uh, sharing they, a little vanity. And doing it, each other's like, yeah. Again, like yeah. The, the, the trading of the notebooks and like, like that's the, that like, I mean, yeah. Angier is a, a, a psychopathic level of, of pettiness. I, but, but I still think that Borden takes the, the, the top of, pettiness for the fake diary move would you say that is the most petty move out of everything with a cypher yeah it's so it's kind of i mean there's a a funny pettiness to it like it's the most childish maneuver and it took hours of work so it so it is ludicrous right i do think it's uh angiers is a little more maliciously petty right Mm -hmm. but that that fucking journal thing and then the fact that he got Angier to then also have to write a fucking fake journal after he assigned his ass homework. <laughs> it's just fucking great, man. It's and just I, so and, silly. And I love that, you know, got to shout out. Uh, I think Scarlett Johansson is very underrated in this. Uh, I mean, yeah. and Rebecca Hall, they are both giving like fantastic performances too. And I mean, and it sucks that, you know, that of course, like the, the people that suffer the most in this are the women. Uh, yeah. And, you know, also part of the time, you know, uh, but also it just like, but, but the way that they shine through with like their performances past that, and they are still written with like agency, especially Olivia, uh, a little bit more so than mm-hmm. Sarah, because, you know, Olivia is like kind of the, is the wild card of the whole situation because, you know, uh, you know, they can't really account for her actions and feelings that whenever she, you know, uh, you know, Angier thinks he has the leg up by sending her, but then, you know, he doesn't account for her falling in love with Freddie and then, right. you know, switching sides. So it's like, uh, she has a lot of layers of, uh, dynamics to her as well. We don't mm. get a backstory from her at all. Like she literally just like kind of comes out of nowhere and like shakes up this whole situation. Yeah. Uh, she, she's very fun in that. Yeah, well, she's she's kind of a an expert level hustler, just like they are, right? Yeah, she's like yeah. I might be the only pretty assistant, but I also know that I'm in the battle too. And she she's very mm-hmm. good at knowing when to get hers, right? Yeah. Like when Freddie comes in, he's like, "Leave your wife and kid at home," right? When you're with me or with me, I was like, "Damn, that is cold." She, she right? Does. Not like not she horrible because it's not her fault that he's a fucking nope. cheater, right? No, nope. but she's also like, "Don't bring that weak shit over here to me," right? When you're right? here, do your shit. And so oh, yeah, she she has some boss. She she makes some boss moves. Like yeah, it, it, like it, like you said, like <laughs> she knows that she is uh, a part of this and is gonna be used. So at least she's like, well, if I'm gonna be used, then I'm gonna have a say in how. Yeah, and I'm gonna have I'm gonna dictate this, you know, in my own way as well. Yeah, because they say the best distraction is a pretty assistant. She uses herself as her own pretty assistant, right? And I thought that was a really I'm gonna take ownership of this thing you fucking saddled around me. I thought man. I thought she was great, man. Cause I kind of, to be honest, I kind of forgot she was even in the movie, right? And so mm. that's why it was. So, I love this thing when you go back and rewatch a movie and it just reopens in a way that's so much more than it was before. Um, but I mean, yeah, because you got to think Rebecca they Hart is great. And they were they were all in such different times of their career because this is two thousand six. So I think of it in like in that time and like where each of these actors like were in their respective careers uh, makes going back and watching it like oh shit like mm-hmm. whoa and then. You know, same with Rebecca Hall. Like, I really didn't know who Rebecca Hall was until like a few years ago when she started popping up in a lot of horror stuff. Mm-hmm. And then that's whenever I kind of started. She became on my radar. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, like, oh, like she's been around doing this like that. Emo- like that scene. Like, I mean, she is so heartbreaking. Like it's fucking in, in her monologue. It's it's ah. <laughs> oh. 
I, I want her so bad to just do something like an Adam Sandler movie. Like, that poor fucking woman. The fucking psychic toll her career. But I just saw Resurrection. Oh, and I saw the. I, can't and, wait and, for I mean, that. fucking hell, dude. She is Ooh. devastating. Like, she you're just does. like. She just has a lot of those. Like, she is just, yeah. Like, I mean, the Night House. I mean, she is just Jesus always. Christ. Just yeah, like, the Night House. Just Christine, getting tortured. Right? You're like, God Christine. damn. Help, please get this late. Yeah, like, even Nicole Kidman did a Sandler movie, right? She's like. You know what? Like I've had enough. I need a break. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> I want to go to a beach somewhere and fucking tell jokes. Right. Like it's she like... <laughs> deserves it. She she truly does deserve it. I mean, Jesus. I mean, she is because Nicole Kidman's like my all time favorite actress, but Rebecca Hall is like climbing my rankings. Right? She's. But I was just like, yeah, the work she puts in to like take this suffering into her, and it's so fun. Like mm-hmm. you said, to go back to two thousand six and like she already had the home run swing. Right. Her yeah. crumbling in that marriage is devastating. I mean, she she truly is the emotional anchor of this movie, mm. uh, you know, because, I mean, she's the the one, you know, where we see any ounce of humanity uh, shown by like, you know, by by her primarily. But like also like, you know, she's the 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 one uh thing that like i think if she if she wasn't around then like yeah then borden would have become you know like angier and i think he would have it would have been double freddy's right exactly it would have been and you know because and we don't really get much of angier's wife at the beginning um so it's like you know even though of course we're still gonna be sympathetic to him we're just not as anchored to angier but like yeah the way that rebecca hall just like yeah takes like she like because the movie itself like everybody's kind of cold Incalculated in the way that they interact with each other and mm-hmm. she even says that at, at one point and she's the only one that like you know really you know emotionally reacts to things like a human being or like even olivia is you know uh cold and callous in her own way uh and then i guess uh cutter um he he eventually does have his point because he's pretty cold until mm-hmm. he reaches that point where he's like okay like i literally cannot do this anymore Well, there's this thing where you feel like Cutter hates Borden as much as Angier. He does. And at the end, he's just like, yeah, yeah, he's like, I understand what he did, but he made a mistake in a show. Right. And he's like, you fucking committed murder and stole a child like this is beyond. We're not in this fucking magical arms race now. (laughs) Like, so watching Cutter break at the end and then Stewart the daughter until Borden comes back and they just give a knowing nod to each other. Right. I, mm-hmm. I thought that was just a, a lovely way for this to wrap up. Right. Cause the, the line cutter has that I love is at the end. He's like, that's the trick. There is no trick. Right. And he's yeah. like, I'm coming to Caldwell to be like, please God destroy this machine. Mm-hmm. Well, and when he think sees of it. him, it's just like on his face, like his whole world crumbling. <laughs> Oh, yeah. When he's like, I've been an accessory, like, like, I mean, he's been an accessory the whole time because that's what is uh, the engineer or engineer. The way, they say it in a funky Ingenue, way, but it's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, basically engineer, basically the engineer. And, uh, you know, and he is like, you know, like he's that knowing, willing participant. And yeah, he, he doesn't like Borden because uh, he he's because he's like, no, I'm more about the show, like, and obviously he designs the way that tricks work, so he's like, no, it's about, it's not about like, you know, all the, this, it's about how can we make it effective, but then also show it as a show, like, you know, he's kind of, he's he's the the best of both worlds, between like, their ideals as a magician, Mm -hmm. like, he's like, yes, I understand the trick itself is important, but it's not the most important thing, you gotta have the show and all the, you know, Mm -hmm. the principles behind it, um, yeah. But, yeah, he's a little bit more smug towards Borden pretty much all the time just because yeah. Borden is, you know, very – because Borden thinks he's smarter than Cutter, you know. B- and, Borden's and, a prickly soul for sure. Yeah. Like, no like, doubt about it. Well, may, yeah. I mean, Freddie or Alfred, right, whichever. But I think the, the sentiment that kind of really sealed the whole movie for me at the end of this viewing was when he first unveils the Tesla trick, right? And the, the agent's kind of there. He's like, I've seen the fucking – you know, whatever. He didn't even come back, right? That sentiment at the start, it's not enough to make something disappear. You have to bring it back, right? And when Angier walks in behind him, he goes, you'll have to excuse me. It's been a long time since I've seen any real magic, right? And the the, the weight of that on his mind 
And then he goes, you have to dress this up. Give them a reason to doubt it. Right. And mm-hmm. I think that sentiment is so beautiful of this movie. Right. This whole thing, you know, we know that they're fucking conning us and we want to. But what if something was actually real that they did? And I think at the end, Cutter is looking at, oh, my God, we weren't doing a stage show. This is real destructive magic. And I, I think it's just too much for his mind to handle, man. This old guy on his way out is like, is this what the future of magic is going to look like? Yeah, I was literally, that's what I was about to say. I was like, he's like a sports old head that's like, oh, my yeah. God, magic's not going to be the oh, same three anymore. three-point shots, yeah. Now that, you brought mad, now that you brought science into this, you fuckers. Yeah, uh, yeah he, he's over it for sure in a way. And, uh, salty Michael Caine is always my favorite Michael Caine. Yeah. Uh, and we definitely get some saltiness in here. You know, this is one of his better late, uh, late career performances for sure. Um, and yeah, I, 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 I love it all. I, I really do. Yeah. Is there anything else, uh, that you would like to spill out? What, what about this movie? Just when you're sitting there on a day, right? And you're like, I want to watch a movie. What keeps you coming back to the prestige? I mean, you know, one to say like why this would fit in October, like it's very gothic Victorian era yes. for sure. Like, I mean, it's a very cold looking movie. It's very eerie. Mm. Um, I mean, and just also like the, 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 like these are, this is evil on display, like for real and oh evil God. on display by humans, you know, which it makes it even worse, you know? So like, um, you know, so, but aside from that though, like this is just one of those movies, like, again, like, uh yeah this is a movie that like i aspire like i want to make a movie like this to where it's like i can like where i can make this like kind of contained puzzle box but also like like the magic trick is it's like i want to show you present what i'm gonna say but i'm gonna you know do all the things and like you know so like uh, it, this is like a comparable to like when you like watch Parasite and you just see all the little pieces that connect together and you're just like, man, like this is a film. Like this is this yeah. is why storytelling is made into a visual medium, <laughs> you know, like yeah. this is based off of a book and I'm sure the book is fine. I, I'm not a reader, but but it's <laughs> like but that but this is like the magic of movies being able to yeah. take this story and then like present it in this way. Um, I mean, and all the things that he's juggling and pulls off in this, you know, narratively, theme-wise, but then also on a filmmaking level as well. Like, I mean, it just it hits all the it hits all the boxes, and like, but just like being able to uh, watch it, like I'm like playing a game with myself, you know, like okay, let me see, like I said, like uh, catch it. Who is it, Freddie or Alfred? You know, like mm-hmm. or uh, you know, like uh, getting the 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 timelines, you know, fit together and everything, and. Uh, still trying to figure out like who tied the knot did they tie the knot like what like what yeah. is the true like you know so it's like there's just uh even though again like you you go into and even i because i remember going into it and i knew about the clone part like before mm-hmm. i watched it for the first time i was like okay apparently there's some clones in this or something <laughs> i was like right. all right so so again <laughs> thinking of like that bigger reveal i wasn't thinking at all about uh with the stuff with borden so, like, I remember even though I knew the one twist and then once I got that one, I was just like, oh, my fucking gosh. Like, yeah. what, like, like it, so I, I love this from just appreciating it as a as like from a filmmaking standpoint of just like this is like how you like put t- movies together, you know, and it's just yeah. fun. Like, you know, we got some dark comedy in there, you know. Um, it, it, this is a two hour, 10 man movie pacing is perfect. It mm-hmm. breezes by and, uh, it just, it, it has all the things that the, the one knock on it is, uh, the song that plays during the what credits. What the fuck was that? <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm so glad you said that. Cause I was like, what the fuck just happened? It was I like was the so... band that won the contest at school of rock. Like got to deal with Christopher Nolan. It's like, what the fuck is this? Okay. I was so confused because like, this yeah. is a movie that like when I'm watching it by myself and like <laughs> a good, like seeing a dialogue hits or like yeah. a good or a good thing is revealed. I'm like, fuck yeah. I'm like, yeah, God, this movie rules. So I mean, I was hyped by the end of this movie yeah. and then that end credit song, I go, what? It was like a record scratch. Yeah. At the end. It feels like he's like, get the fuck out, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, dude, it's, man. I think what you said is really beautiful, because I I do think this is a great spooky season movie, right? This is again, it's it's a gothic tale of revenge and ambition, right? It's mm-hmm. classic Edgar Allan Poe, 
And by the oh, end yeah. of the film, every frame of this movie is just filled with ghosts by the end of this movie, right? Not figuratively, but they're there, man. Um, and what I like, I, I think this is Christopher Nolan's most human movie, if that makes sense. Oh, yes. Um, one of my knocks about him is I feel like a lot of times, like, here's this big technical thing. That's great. But for me, I need one of those. Like, my filmmaking thing, right? I remember being in the theater, uh, and I went to see Brigsby Bear. And I'm like, what the fuck is this, like, bear movie? Okay, I'll go. And at one point, I almost left the theater to just cry. Because I was just like, I'm so happy that this movie exists. And it so made me want to make my version of that movie, right? Like, tell that tale. And when you're lucky enough to have that in your life, I mean, it's the thing that keeps you getting out of bed every day, right? Is when you find a movie like that that can sustain you. Um, so I, th- I think that's a beautiful sentiment, man. I absolutely I mean, understand that. <laughs> it's like, I mean, it's literally like the magicians, like it's chasing that ultimate trick, you know, like, I, like I just aspire to, uh, to be like, oh my God, I just want to be able to capture that and make that moment, yeah. you know, and like makes my feel something by something I created, you know, like, and, but I'm like, but man, what am I willing to do? Like, no, yeah. I'm not going to cut my fingers off. I'm not going to. Right. blackmail and break people's legs but, maybe I mean, a but finger like, right maybe, maybe a finger. <laughs> yeah. I, okay yeah i got maybe I got two one pinky. finger yeah i got two pinkies <laughs> to spare uh, i'm not so. giving up my kids or anything like that but but no yeah. i mean that's the thing for all of us that write or try to do podcasts or all this sh- i think it's so relatable so i think sometimes you see a movie like this on this scale and you're like how the fuck could i ever make something that good and that exactly. grandiose right like it, it's hard to even fathom being in charge of something that big Exactly. But when you watch these guys just doing these petty ruses, you're like, that I fucking relate to. That I sink my teeth into 100%. And again, I think this was a movie that, like, this is Nolan's love letter to filmmaking. Like, this is Absolutely. him. He, he was taking a break from doing these giant Batman movies. These giant like, studio things, whatever. <laughs> exactly. And I think he, like, needed, maybe he needed a reminder of, like, why he does this. You know, of, like, mm-hmm. what, what, like, what am I chasing? Like, what, yeah. what am I trying to accomplish with filmmaking? So it's like, I feel like this is a very personal film from him yeah. uh, in a way. Like, I feel like this is the only movie that makes me... Uh, somewhat have an idea of how his mind works because uh, like you said his other movies uh they the people kind of feel like ai a little bit they kind of feel like robots you know like they're a they're, little propish right <laughs> yeah it, yes they are they're there to take us to the next amazing set piece more so, than us to like really sing i mean he has his moments right yeah so this but, was like, in his it's sweet more spot. of a tech it's it's fucking great man and i like, again i think the real thing i will take away from this viewing i think one of the the most stunning achievements of the film is that once you see the magic trick they tell you beat by beat the 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 pledge the turn and the prestige it almost is better the next time you watch it right i think so and for a movie that you know i it doesn't rely on the the twist or the reveals right they are just the perfect you know condiment on top of this lovely meal exactly. and I, I think that's the thing the fact that once you know like you knew going in and it didn't fucking degrade the movie for you, I think is incredible. Exactly. Like that is like the true uh, test of a movie with like a twist or a reveal is like, yeah, like, is it still going to be rewatchable later? Uh, does, how does it change the context in which you're going to watch it later? And it and it changes into two different movies, like mm-hmm. really. And, and uh, yeah, and that's what makes it so rewatchable and you're able to like keep coming back to it, you know? Yeah, it, it's a wonderful movie, man. It was a great pick. Thank you so much for joining us, man. This was fucking wonderful talk. Uh, would you like to tell everyone one more time where they can find your stuff online? Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Again, like this movie uh, is a, I love it. I, I, I even, yeah. when I searched how much I've tweeted about this, I was like kind of shocked. <laughs> I was like, oh shit. I was like, I do talk about this movie. I'm a lot. really like, into the prestige. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and so, yeah, it was, it was a great getting to really nerd out about it. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at underscore daddy disco. Um, again, I direct uh, some music videos. I do like some little shorts uh, type stuff, photography, like, you know, some random stuff. And on Twitter, I'm just always talking about movies. Uh, but you can listen to me talk about movies on my horror podcast, The Spectre Cinema Club, hosted by me and my buddy Garrett McDowell. Uh, we just hit 100 episodes, so that Woo! was uh, pretty tight. Uh, very <laughs> excited for that. Thank you. Hell yeah, man. Congrats. Um, uh, yeah, so um, we are wrapping up uh, the Reanimator franchise, and uh, we're oh. going to be closing out the year with uh, cannibal movies and Disney Channel original horrors. <laughs> Disney so, yeah. original cannibal movies. The, that the is our best that is 
Venn diagram. Uh, that's exactly our range and why we did them back to back. We're like, let's go as depraved yeah. as possible, and then and it's then, a small and, sliver of the Venn diagram, but it's fucking there. <laughs> it's it, it is. It, see all the subgenres; they're all connected. How? Listen yeah. to the podcast. Uh, we do new episodes every Tuesday on all the platforms uh, on Instagram and Twitter at Specter Cinema. Awesome, man. Well, I'll share this in the show notes too. Uh, you definitely have a fan in me, man. I will say it now. You have open invitation to come back whenever you want for any movie. Uh, thank you so much for your time. Hell yeah, man. I'll have you in the club as soon as possible. Bud. Done deal, man. All right, guys. Uh, once again, I hope you enjoyed that as much as we did. Because it's October, we'll see you tomorrow with another wonderful horror movie podcast. Bye. Abracadabra. <laughs> oh, what a great line. <laughs> <laughs>